Welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm your host, Mike McGarry, here in our online studio once again with Jordan Francis. Jordan is the founder of Reframe Youth. He's a Christian therapist in Phoenix. And uh, Jordan and I met each other over the internet a couple years ago. And brother, you've been a real blessing and encouragement for me uh, personally, and uh, really encouraged by by you and what's happening in your ministry. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it, man. Likewise, brother. Always glad to be here and be a part of what you're doing. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right. So today we're going to be talking about theological depth in urban ministry and in uh, urban ministry overall. So um, I, I, before we dive into that uh, topic, I'd like to always get to know our guests as their teenage selves a little bit. Uh, so Jordan, could you tell us a little bit about your first car, uh, or maybe about your first car accident or speeding ticket or <laughs> anything like hey, that? We'll, give, give us we'll, a good we'll car We'll lump story. those things together, man. So uh, for me, I actually didn't learn to drive until I was about 20 years old. All right. And what's funny about that is, uh, so in England, because that's where I'm from, right, the UK, you can't actually learn to drive until you're 17. Um, and so it's actually really expensive, too. So a ton of us just use public transport to get around, right? So like my mom, yeah, she's yeah. never driven a car in her whole oh, life. Wow. Um, and so anyways, so I come out here, become a Christian, all that good stuff, plugged in, finally learned to drive. And then my friend, really good friend, John, shout out to John. Uh, he was my pastor at the time. Um, and I was kind of like his, like, you know, intern, understudy or whatever. He gave me his Toyota Celica and his Toyota Celica was like his baby. Right. And he gave yeah. it to me uh, to drive around. And one day I was driving to his house to pick him up for a communion service because the church we were at, we did communion once a month and we'd like pray for people, all those different types of things that elders would lay hands on people. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I'm driving, I pull up at this uh, stop sign. I look left, look right. And the sun is shining perfectly down the street, so I can't actually see what's coming. And so awesome. I like just pull out and T-bone a car and totally destroy his Celica, bro. And it was like his baby. He loved that car. That was like Brutal. his. And I just mur- just murdered it, destroyed it. And so oh, no. felt terrible about it. But it was super cool, super cool moment for me because he didn't even blink an eye. He didn't care. He was like, yo, I'm glad you're okay. And then we went on to church. But yeah, man. Didn't learn to drive till I was 20. It's probably a good thing. And then wrecked my homeboy's precious vehicle. So he still talks to me about it to this day. Anytime we get into a fight and we're like tit for tat, and he's like, well, you wrecked my my Celica. I'm like, he still ain't got over that, bro. Like, get out of here. Man, everyone's got a good car accident story. Seriously. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Love it. Hey, I'm really excited to talk with you today about urban youth ministry and uh, to learn more. Um, And so, yeah, could you just uh, describe a little bit of what what makes urban youth ministry different from youth ministry in suburban or rural or other communities? Kind of just big big picture, um, share a little bit about some of the distinctives of urban youth ministry. Yeah, I think uh, the distinctives are becoming less distinctive. And I think the reason I say that is because with the advancement of technology, um, culture is like 
becoming pretty homogenous in a lot of spaces because of the influence that social media is having on young people. Mm. But, um, you know, with UIWI, uh, you know, our primary partner, shout out to them. Like one of the ways that they put uh, find Urban Youth Workers Institute, uh, shout out to Tommy Nixon and those boys out in Cali. They're an organization focused on uh, raising up urban leaders to reach the next generation and heal broken communities uh, through the gospel. So super excited about what they're doing and super excited to, to partner with them. But one of the ways that they have defined uh, the urban context, which I think is the best definition, is a culture of shared suffering. And so like there is suffering happening in the urban context that historically has been pretty unique. Uh, some of the examples that I would give is uh, redlining. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be uh, teen pregnancy. It might be just lower socioeconomic status. Uh, the school system in those particular areas, gangs, violence, policing. Right. And obviously we all have different ideas about those and we sit on different political lines concerning how those things actually work and don't work. But we all do fundamentally understand that usually in any major city, there's a particular part of town that is marked as that part of town, right? That part of town that you don't go to or that part of the town that you have to be careful in or whatever else. Or that part of town that if you tell people you live there, like some people, sometimes I tell people like I live like in the South Phoenix area and they're like, oh, you live over there. You know what I mean? Like, are Mm -hmm. you okay? Is your family okay? Yeah, we're we're just fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. You live over there by what? Huh? And so like, yeah, like I would say. Um, those are some of the unique things that if you're in those contexts, you might be dealing with challenges, um, mm-hmm. that, that don't necessarily come up in other contexts in the same way, or at least, um, in those other contexts, like say more suburban or rural, they would be the exception, not the rule, right? Like, I think you're going to run into in the urban context, a lot of kids that are, like I said, coming from lower socioeconomics, uh, mm-hmm. They might have two parents in the home, but their parents are working all the time. So they don't have great relationship with them. Or maybe they're left to their own devices. Or maybe one parent's not there. You know, where I'm at in Phoenix, there's parents who have been deported. There's parents who, you know, have ended up in jail. Uh, And then there's like, like, let's just be honest too. Like there's good, wholesome families here as well. Like Mm -hmm. that are doing fine, that are taking care of their kids, that are um, contributing to their community in meaningful ways. And like, even in those contexts, like where some of those things are happening. There's also really cool things happening as well. Like one of the things I love about living here is I always see like um, families posted up with the garage doors open, chilling, hanging out, having a drink, having conversation, yeah. you know, and in your neighborhood, you can always rock up to them on their, on their, you know, um, by their garage, have a conversation with them, talk like there's, there's, there's opportunity for tight knit community um, mm-hmm. in this context that I think sometimes we struggle to have in other contexts. But I would say those are some of the um, things that make urban ministry a little bit different. So when kids come into your ministries, they're carrying all that stuff with them. And that's not to say kids aren't carrying things in the suburban context, too. I don't want anyone to hear me say that. I'm just saying that I think um, there's a there's a there's like more complexity in uh, that suffering, so to speak, in the urban context, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does make sense. It does make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So what does what does theological depth um, look like in an urban youth ministry? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, and that's one of those ones that like I'm even thinking through right now with like reframe the curriculum company and the things that we're trying to do in terms of like yeah. creating content and resources for the urban context. Yeah. 
I think, and I think like the question is answered the same way I would answer it, even for the suburban context. I think it's just relevance in terms of how we're communicating uh, some kind of truth that young people care about to them and how mm-hmm. that pertains to like some sort of theological depth. And so like an example would be um, the idea of community, right? Like community is incredibly important and we know to young people in any context, like who they kick it with is essential, right? Mm-hmm. Like their homies, um, their, their friend group, the relationships that they, that, that they have, like define them, shape them. Um, that's what they really deeply care about. And so leaning into that, cause you know, that's something that they're concerned about, you know, that's yeah, something that yeah, they care about, you know, it's something they're willing to listen to you on, but yeah. then also tying that to, for example, the Trinity, like the reason why we care about community is because God created us that way. And God is Trinity, right? And it's not mm-hmm. that God revealed himself as Trinity. He is Trinity. And, and actually here's how God being Trinity makes sense. And here's how that has affected like who we are as image bearers of him. And so now I've tied this theological concept, which is, you know, a rich, yeah. really important, essential piece of Christianity to mm-hmm. this very real important thing that students actually care about, which is, hey, I want to hang out with my friends. Do you yeah. get what I'm saying? And so yeah. I think that's another way. Like another thing I think about is, and a thing that I love to talk about every Christmas is the incarnation, right? Mm-hmm. Like once again, another essential piece of what it means, Christian doctrine, like God yeah. becomes a man. Mm-hmm. And what, what is young, what a Gen Z, what does Gen Z care about? They care about uh, relationships, closeness. Um, I think our generation as millennials asked questions of why, when it came to, um, when it came to Christianity. So it was like, uh, you know, why is the Bible relevant? Uh, why is Jesus God? So on and so forth. I think yeah. actually the younger generation is asking questions of care now. Like, uh, do you care about me? Does God care about me? Does God mm-hmm. care about my friends? Yeah. And so in the incarnation, I think we get to communicate God's love, care, and concern for them as humans is like God becomes a man, enters into our suffering, suffers, dies, and he's the only one who's innocent, Right. And so like God is, God doesn't understand your suffering just because he's God. He understands your suffering because he actually became a man in Christ and sits at the right hand of the father right now. Do you see what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. so now we get to access that theological depth of the incarnation in a way that makes sense to them, which is like, yo, God is close to me, but here's why God is close to you. And here's why it makes sense. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Uh, and, And a lot of that is right. I mean, like you said, it's just pastoral ministry, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just good. It's good youth ministry. It's Correct. understanding who your students are and what are the questions they're asking, mm-hmm. uh, what are the issues that they're experiencing and living in day in day out, and how do we how do we help them to think biblically about about their life and about the promises of God, right? Absolutely, so, absolutely. And I think I think the thing here that's important is. To say, like, in the organization, in the world that we live in with the things that we're doing, right, and how complicated it is, how fast it is, the reality that, like, most youth pastors in the suburban context aren't doing one thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of guys are part-time. They might be full-time, but they've still got some side hustle because they don't make enough money. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm in these youth pastor groups and there's dudes talking about, hey, what's your side hustle? What do you do to make extra money to take care of your family? Blah, 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 so on and so forth, right? Like having a youth pastor that actually makes enough money to take care of his family just on that salary is like yeah. rare, right? Yeah. And then if you take that to the 
urban context where you're even more under-resourced, right? Like, and it's even yep. harder for churches to thrive financially in those contexts for a multitude of reasons. They're probably working a job and doing this as a volunteer, maybe mm-hmm. getting a stipend. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think yeah. that's where what we do, what Youth Passive Theologian does, what Reframe Youth does becomes mm-hmm. essential. Because I think what we have to recognize is um, there are people who have the gifts and talents necessary to like actually spend the time doing that stuff and then offer that as a gift to guys that are like on the ground yeah. doing the work with the spare time that they have. And I don't think that's like, uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think for other guys too, that like, if you're in a context where guys around you are struggling with that and you have the ability to um, understand and communicate the text maybe in ways that they don't, I yeah. think on some level, God has given you that gift so that you can share it with others. And so if you recognize that, go help these guys, man. Yeah. Go yeah. help them figure out how to prepare their sermons. Go help them figure out how to be relevant. How Go help them figure out how to communicate these things with theological depth, you know, depth and be patient with them in that process, right? Because, I mean, it's hard for someone to come in and tell you like, hey, unless you've already recognized it, hey, like uh, maybe you could do it this way. You know what I mean? And so I think some of that stuff yeah. comes through relationship. And youth pastors, youth workers, youth leaders taking the time to build relationships in the context that they find themselves, which is another thing that's essential, right? Because a lot of times we're trying to do this thing in silos. And like John 17, they all know that I am the one that was sent when you guys are one. You care about yeah. evangelism? You should care yeah. about unity too. You know what I mean? Amen. And so, um, so yeah, I think like that's important to recognize as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I mean, a lot of that is is my heart with with what youth pastor theologian is, is to um, help churches who are under-resourced um, to be able to build their ministries on a biblical foundation and to make lifelong disciples. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a, a big heart drive of um, who we are as a ministry, as, as YPT. Uh, so as we continue in the conversation, can you give a few examples of ways that churches in the inner city can equip their volunteers to engage their youth in theological conversations? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think one, it would be paying attention to like what's happening in your specific context, right? So what are like the issues? What are the primary challenges that your youth are facing, but also your volunteers are facing too? Uh, and like kind of evaluating that, taking a step back and then processing through like, like what is the main issue? Like, once again, we talked about community. We talked about um, um, needing to know God's closeness. It, are there issues of, is justice a big thing in your context? You know what I mean? Like, are people really feeling like unjust things are being d- and done to them in the context of their community? Is uh, gangs a big deal? Like, whatever it is, right? Stepping, yeah. stepping back, taking a look, evaluating that, and then asking yourself, okay, like, like what is it that, what is it that people are longing for in mm the participation of this thing. And the reason I say it that way is like, now I'm like leaning into like therapeutic stuff a little bit. Yeah. So oftentimes like people have desires and have longings, right? And those desires and longings aren't necessarily bad in of themselves, but how we like live those out can be right. And so for example, I might, you know, really long for a partner and to be in a long-term committed relationship, marriage with somebody yeah. But because I don't have that right now, I might turn to pornography or I might turn to, you know, um, 
uh, numerous sexual romantic relationships or whatever, right? And so the longing itself to be have a companion isn't bad, but how I'm living that out is. Yeah. And so I think yeah. we have to evaluate like, okay, like what are our young people doing? What are our volunteers doing? And what are the longings? And then how can I now understand those longings and then point them to um, something about the very nature of who God is as the solution to that longing? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so yeah. I think if we'll do that work, that'll help us understand what we need to communicate to our volunteers. And it's like, okay, now I can go to my volunteers and say like, hey, here are the things that our students are struggling with. Here, here are some of the longings that are associated with that. Here are the types of questions that you can ask them. Here are the types of conversations that you can have with them. And I think the reason why I say conversations is because it's honestly safer for volunteers. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like volunteers are, you know, usually they're passionate, given their time, effort, mm -hmm. energy. They're probably not going to be as theologically astute as you are. They're probably not going to know as much. They're probably just willing to like come and be present with young people. And so at mm -hmm. times, I think what happens is they may feel like they can't engage certain things or talk about certain things because they're not equipped to, or uh, you have those volunteers who think they're equipped to talk about everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they cause some problems. And so I yep. think when you create space for conversation and give uh, your volunteers like questions that they can ask, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's more beneficial. And I think the reason is yeah. uh, two pronged. Number one, uh, young people in this day and age don't actually want to be told what to do anyways. They're like <laughs> totally anti-institutional. They're not yeah. down with you telling them they don't, they don't see anybody who's in a position of authority as an actual authority figure. And that makes sense. Like their world is completely shaped by technology. Everything is social in nature. Yeah. Truth is social, social in that sense. So that why do you think they're just going to come and listen to you? They're not because you're not speaking in a way that makes sense to them. But if we have dialogue and conversation and there's this exchange and this like, hey, let's figure out what truth is together, I think some really cool things can happen. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side of that, for the volunteer, I also think um, the opportunity to listen, hear a kid's story, yeah. like hear the things that are going on in their life and what they're struggling with, it, it changes the way that they relate to them, see them, get annoyed by them, pray for them, encourage them, so on and so forth. So I actually mm -hmm. think um, fostering conversation around things in the context of your youth ministry with, with your volunteers specifically can actually be really beneficial. And then uh, obviously it's up to the youth leader to communicate the authoritative truth of what the word says in the context of that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good answer. Um, and I, I've seen that myself um, and just conversations over teaching for the, especially for volunteers. Um, you know, a lot of, um, yeah, just whether it's urban or suburban or rural, um, a lot of, um, faithful church members who serve in the student ministry, if you ask them to teach, they, they get really intimidated. Yeah. They don't um, want to do that. But, it, but if it's to facilitate a conversation, um, or to, you know, host a, a kind of one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two, mm -hmm. uh, conversation with students, um, and they're, so they're, they're better down. able to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And once again, like in that conversation, like, hey, share things from your life. What are your experiences yeah. with these longings? What are your experiences with these challenges? How have you related to God in the midst mm -hmm. of like struggling through these things? And yeah. ultimately, that's what Gen Z wants, right? They want vulnerability. Um, and like we want them to be vulnerable with us, right? We want them to tell us what's going on in their lives, but then we're not vulnerable with them. Yeah. 
if we want, yeah. if we lead in vulnerability, they'll respond in vulnerability. Yeah. And also one of the things that they need from us more practically is wisdom. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you set up your volunteers to share the wisdom that they have from their life, because they have years of experience, they've yeah. already made some of these decisions. They've already yeah. walked down those roads. They've already made the mistakes. And so they can share those stories um, as a gift to the young people mm-hmm. in the context of your youth so ministry good. and let them go away and like make a decision. Cause guess what? Yeah. They're going to do that anyways. They're yeah. going to make their own decision. And so like just acknowledging that, like, and Hey, here's some wisdom for you in the process of making your decision, go make your decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you'll, what you'll, what you'll see is, and the data says you'll, you'll see them make more conservative decisions. Yeah. Like they won't be as experimental in like make as many bad decisions when you actually give them information yeah. and give them space. Yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's faith, good, good, solid, faithful ministry is we want to have deep conversations. Um, I, we want an exhortation that I, I simply have for all of us youth workers, um, whatever your ministry context is, uh, whether you're a full-time, part-time, volunteer, urban, suburban, rural, um, is if we want to have deep and rich conversations with students, then we need to have deep faith ourselves and so um, I good. hope that the content we're putting out with Youth Pastor Theologian is helping um, is helping youth workers uh, of all of all types to go deep in their reflection about what student ministry is mm-hmm. and about how do we have theological conversations with our students. Um, so I know not all of our articles are like super high practical whatever, and that's kind of by design. Because we want to help youth workers to go deep, to have a deep core, so that as they're talking with students and are identifying the questions and the needs that their students are kind of experiencing, then you're able to to draw out of that reservoir of depth that you've already invested um, to be able to serve your students. Um, and, and so, as we as we move on, I, I want to ask this question with a little bit of clarification. Um, okay. So here's the question is, what are some common reasons why urban youth workers might downplay or estimate the value of theological depth? Now, as a very white man who lives in the suburbs. (laughs) Really? um, Yeah, yeah. Very, very white. um, (laughs) In case you can't tell. Um, Right. I want to clarify (laughs) that this is the same question I ask all the time, just without the word urban in it. I, I think mm-hmm. that most youth ministries and I think most youth workers downplay and underestimate the value of theological depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes, and I, I, I don't know if you have reflections on why the stereotype of theological shallowness in urban ministry is something that does continue to get yeah. perpetuated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I have zero intention or desire to feed that myth. I, I think for sure. by and large, youth ministry as a whole is theologically shallow. Um, mm-hmm. So w- w- I'm not pointing fingers. I, I'm asking, like, what are some of the particular reasons in urban youth ministry why that's why that's a reality? And you can read a bunch of other articles and listen to a bunch of other podcasts about why that's the reality in, in suburban ministry, right? For but sure. what are some of the particular reasons in urban ministry why theological depth might be um, underestimated or downplayed? For sure. I think, I think it's the way that we're looking at it, right? 
Um, so in the urban context, historically, there tends to be just less space for sitting down and thinking about things. And the reason for that is because um, out of worship, there's always been movement to protest. And the necessity for that is because of the suffering that's happening in those communities, right? Okay. And so um, J.D. Otis Roberts talks about this. He wrote a book, Black Theology and Dialogue. He was a dialogue partner with James Cone, was on the more conservative side, but was still in the community doing the work. And that's one of the things he said, like the black church out of worship has always had to go to the streets and protest yeah. because they needed to go get the things for the community that were necessary for it to flourish and thrive. In the suburban context, you don't necessarily have those same issues, right? Like you have schools that are well-resourced, that have the best teachers per se, right? And so because you have, you have parents who might be more involved, or at least if they're not, in, not as involved, have the resources mm-hmm. to put their kids in a situation where they can excel, right? If they're yeah. actually paying attention. Okay. And so what you find in those other contexts is you don't have those things. So oftentimes what you also find is youth workers in the urban context are having to do all these other things in order to get to the ministry. They're putting on after school programs. They're helping kids with their homework. Mm-hmm. They're feeding kids uh, lunch and dinner because they don't have lunch and dinner at home. They've got a community center that they're running because they're yeah. trying to keep the kids off the street to make sure they're not doing drugs, getting in gangs, getting girls pregnant, getting murdered. Right. And so, like, yeah. there's all these other things that they're doing uh, for the community. Right. Because that's what the community needs. And I, I mean, and if you think about it, like, that's real ministry, bro. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you are doing the incarnational thing. You are in there meeting yeah. the needs of the people. Uh, you know, like not just saying to them, Hey, I'm just going to preach the gospel and not address anything else that's going on in your life, but I'm going to address what's going on in your life. And I'm going to preach the gospel to you, which I think is like powerful. Right. I think, I think that's what we should do. Yeah. And so I think what happens is some of that stuff gets mistaken for a lack of theological depth. When I would actually argue that it is very deep in theological praxis, if that makes sense. Uh, but once again, I think in the more suburban context, there's more space to sit and think because yeah. there's not all those things going on in the same way. So now we get to like really deeply communicate theological mm-hmm. truths, so on and so forth. And so I think like in, in some level, there is like something for both spaces to learn from each other, right? Yeah. Like Proverbs yeah. says it best, when the rich and the poor come together, the Lord gives them both sight. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it comes back to our original conversation a moment ago about John 17, right? Like we need to be unified right now. I mean, the reasons why we're not unified, right? There's, that's a whole different conversation in of itself. (laughs) Right. But I think, yeah, like the way that we think about some of those things is just, is a bit strange. And then it's like, okay, how many people have actually gone into those spaces and sat and listened to a sermon in a black or Latino church? Right. Because I'm not being funny, but some of the most theologically rich sermons I've ever heard have been in those contexts. Oh, yeah. Like, and I'm like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? And then just think about it from a practical standpoint. How is it that whole groups of people um, would survive the atrocities and the suffering that has happened historically in this country Mm -hmm. and like be Christians and not have deep, rich history and theology as a consequence? Like, I remember. I remember this and this like was really profound to me. Like one of the reasons why uh, black people hoot and holler in church, as they say, is because that's what we did on the plantation fields. That's how we made it through the day. 
shouting back and forth, singing about the Lord back and forth on the plantation as we were suffering. Right. Mm. And obviously I understand that wasn't me, but um, like some of those things like have rich, deep connections to the things that uh, certain people groups have been through throughout their history and how Mm. they've made it through in relationship to, to faith in Jesus Christ. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think what can happen is, which is what people have been guilty of everywhere. Like you don't understand the culture. And because that culture's worship looks different from you, you assume that it's wrong. Right. And so I think there's some of that uh, there for sure. But I think, um, I think because of all of those things that are going on, oftentimes that, that uh, theological depth and richness in terms of like how it's communicated can get missed. But I think it's this, a similar problem in the suburban context in the sense that like youth workers are just, uh, they're undertrained, right? So a lot of times a guy's just getting thrown in there who's willing to do it. He doesn't necessarily have any theological training. He doesn't necessarily like, he's just, he's just passionate about young people and just wants to see them come to Jesus and just doesn't know how, but he's just willing. You know what I'm saying? And I think God honors that. And I know you would say that too. Yeah, but absolutely. like there's stuff that's missing there as a consequence, right? Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't been trained in the way that we would hope he is trained, and it's it's and like then we get into like the nature of how our churches are even built. Like, why don't we have the most trained individuals teaching our kids, teaching our youth? I want the guy with the PhD teaching my kids. Yeah, what what do we need him teaching the adults for? <laughs> you know what I mean? Go teach the yeah. kids, bro. Right? You know what I mean? So Man. yeah, that, like, like that's a whole nother conversation, mm-hmm. right? Like, why do we do it that way? But mm-hmm. yeah, I think like there's just like the layers of complexity to this conversation. But yeah, ultimately, um, I think it is happening perhaps in ways that, uh, in other spaces, it wouldn't be perceived that way. But I also think there is something to be learned if both spaces can come together and learn from each other. There's some incredible things that could happen for the sake of the gospel, I think. Yeah, I love that. Um, so is there, is there anyone, uh, or an individual or a ministry, uh, organization, et cetera, who you'd want to highlight? Um, I think it can be, um, unfortunately easy to pick out, um, stereotypes or negative examples. Um, but you know, in, in our social media age, um, negative examples always trend and the mm-hmm. positive, faithful, um, godly men and women doing good ministry often get get overlooked. So, yeah. uh, c- can you highlight maybe one ministry or, or a youth worker or a group who you think is doing a really outstanding job um, at theological depth and urban youth ministry? Um, and what are they doing that's instructive for the rest of us to learn through them? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, there's a few few guys that I think of that are doing really cool work. I mean, I think from an organizational standpoint, obviously UIWI, Urban Youth Works Institute, their their focus, right, is equipping urban leaders um, to serve in those contexts, to heal those communities, to see gospel change come about. And so they've got like very systematized programs that they're working of working on that people are aware of, and then there's things that they're working on mm-hmm. internally that we're really excited about too. Um, and obviously we're a part of that process and partnered in that in terms of providing curriculum and resources with the goal of 
bring in that theological depth, you know, cultural relevance and biblical fidelity. We hold both yeah. those things tightly. We don't feel yeah. like we have to compromise being relevant. We don't feel like we have to compromise the text either in theological depth. Amen. Um, but um, I think in my homie, uh, shout out to Patrick. He runs a ministry called Streets 517 out in Michigan. He's out in the schools doing his thing, uh, like in the conversations that we have with him, very theologically under- rich guy, like understands the text, understands theology, is doing his best to communicate it to those kids in that context, while also caring for them, caring for their needs. Um, you know, yeah, dealing with all different types of challenges. And then I think of my guy, Jesse, he's out in, uh, he's out in Lynn, Massachusetts, actually. I should probably connect you guys. Um, he's doing some stuff out there, starting a community center in Lynn with connected to his church. He's connected with UIWI as well. He's been using reframe stuff for a while, really enjoying it. And so like, yeah, there's a few guys that I think of that I'm connected to that are really doing solid work in their context, trying to marry that theological depth along with like doing the work in the context of urban, urban ministry. Yeah. And I think too, like, I think like, once again, it comes back down to this idea of having to figure it out by yourself. I think mm-hmm. when you were a young guy getting into uh, like youth work, like you, you're like, you're passionate, right? You're like, yo, I'm going to go change my neighborhood. I'm going to go change my city. I'm going to go change the world. Bro, you ain't going to do that by yourself. Yeah. Like, stop it. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and I actually think God designed it so you can't do it by yourself. Like, yeah. I think that was intentional. Yeah. And so like, if you need help, put your hand up, man. Like there's organizations, there's people out there who want to come alongside you that want to see you win, that want to see you stay in the game for the long haul and not get burned out. And so if you are, you know, you're one of those youth workers that's like, yo, I, I know I need to get theologically deeper. Youth pastor, theologian, man, Urban Youth Workers Institute. If you need some content and resources, reframe mm-hmm. youth. And obviously there's tons of other organizations out yeah. there doing great work as well. Get connected, build relationships, find meaningful community for yourself, grow, understand, and then communicate that to your youth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, my heart and leading youth pastor theologian is um, to not simply provide content and resources for um, suburban youth, youth pastors who are full-time and have been to seminary. And I know that's a risk that I've run with naming the ministry youth pastor theologian, because that the assumption is that's the audience. Um, but I just want to be really clear. I mean, the audience is all youth workers, you know, full-time, part-time, uh, volunteer, uh, in every ministry context, because every youth worker is a youth pastor theologian. That is the vision of this ministry, is that we are all youth pastor theologians, mm-hmm. um, because we each of us uh, in our own contexts, in our own churches, we want to help students follow Jesus lifelong. Um, and how can we do that if we're not anchoring them in um, solid, a, a solid doctrinal foundation uh, mm-hmm. that helps them make sense of, of their lives, whether that's in the inner city or in the cornfields, right? Um, so. 100%. Um, yeah, my, my desire, I want to ask you, um, how YPT can serve urban churches, but we can talk about that offline. Um, so I won't put you on spot about that while we're recording, but I I really desire to, um, to see youth pastor theologian be a ministry, um, that is serving and encouraging, 
um, the urban church too. Not to step in and say, here's how to do urban youth ministry, mm-hmm. but to say, hey, here are some ways that you can make doctrine and sometimes complicated and intimidating topics and theological yep. truths. Uh, but yep. here's how you can teach this in a way that's understandable for most teenagers. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, I can answer that question if you want yeah. me to. I don't yeah, all right. Give it up. I, I just didn't want to put you on the spot. Yeah. Oh, no, I love, I love on the spot questions, bro. Um, I think like my response would be like, get in those contexts and ask them what they need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think if you spend some time in that context, one, you'll build trust. And I think that's really important in the urban yeah. context. Like in the urban context, you can't just like walk in and be like, Hey, I got this thing to give you. People <laughs> are just like, nah, bro. You know what I mean? And yeah. like in the urban context, we're already used to people coming in and taking things That's from true. us. People That's come true. in and take our best athletes. People come in and take our best students. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think I listened to like a Tim Keller sermon like a while ago and he was talking about this idea of poverty and he tied it to a proverb. And it was like, I can't remember what the proverb is, but proverb is, but it's like those who are poor, even that which they have will be taken from them. And he yeah. was talking about this idea of like in like more urban communities, you'll see things like title loan companies, like, why do you have all these different types of businesses that exist in our context? It's because they're here to take advantage of people suffering. And the very few, the few that the little that they do have or the gifts, yeah. the little gifts that they do have are, are like taken from them. Right. Yeah. Um, and used like in, in ways that are manipulated for them or ended in, that, that in their own destruction. And so I think like, because we're so used to that stuff, we're just like more skeptical of people coming from outside of our community. We just assume like, oh, you're here. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to be a Messiah, whatever. And to some degree, like we'll take your stuff, we'll eat your pizza, we'll take your free resources <laughs> and we'll not pay attention to you. We're, we're yeah. fine with that. You yeah. know what I mean, but I think if you come in, build relationship, you'll learn like, what are those gaps that you can feel yeah. that like really need to be filled for the benefit of that context or like, and I think, well, and, and I say, or I say, and I think what you'll learn is like, mm-hmm. there's much for that space to contribute to you. Yeah. There's much for that space to contribute to youth pastor theologian. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, I do. And so, yeah, I think, I think that would be, that would be my two cents on that. And I think too, yeah. like one of the things that I think is really essential to understand is like, we're all doing theology, right? Like yeah. even if, even if you're an atheist, you're doing theology. Yeah. Every, everybody does theology. Yep. And so like, I think sometimes uh, the word theology, people like assume a bunch of different things about it that I think if we can, or if you can, cause obviously you've passed a theologian, if mm. you can like uh, make that make sense to people and like make it seem less, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, like highbrow. Cause it's really not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, yeah. no, it's something we're all doing. It's super normal. Yeah, it's, it's like commonplace. Yeah. It's commonplace, man. This isn't something that's like, you have to be like a master's degree or PhD in order to do it. Like we're yeah. all doing it. And I think like the way people engage it and think about it might change a little bit and it might help in terms of communicating the necessary theological truths that need to be communicated to anchor our youth. That's good. That's good. No, thank you for that encouragement. Um, Yeah, I I should definitely look up um, some of the local um, networks of of youth workers, some of the cities around me and just ask if I can visit and just listen. So. That's good. That's good. Um, Hey, as we wrap up, last question um, is, uh, so you're from, um, from Birmingham, England. Um, You have experience in suburban ministry and urban ministry and um, 
you kind of uh, you you float between many worlds, right? So, <laughs> uh, can you just reflect for a minute or two for the rest of us about what what can the broader church and what can youth workers in you know many different contexts what can we learn from urban youth ministry? Yeah, I think um, the resilience, the creativity um, that it takes to be in that context and to survive. Um, I think there's like incredible learnings to be had there. I think, um, gratefulness, thankfulness, and not that those things don't exist in those other contexts, but as I see people work in those contexts and continue week in, week out, year in, year out, um, to do the work in really hard places. Uh, those are some of the things that I see. Um, I think too, like, yeah, perseverance, um, just being able to like have conversations with those types of people. And, um, it's like, you know, Ephesians three, where it talks about, I think it's the, uh, to comprehend with all the saints, the height, length, width, and depth of the church. Mm. And so when I think about that passage, I'm thinking about, um, like, yo, in somebody else's story, there's a way that I can see God that I can't see him in my own story. Do you get what I'm saying? And so when I'm, when I am with other saints yeah. from other contexts, other spaces, other places, and I hear how God's using them and I hear what God has done in their life and I hear where they're come from, they've come from, it encourages me to see God in a way that perhaps I've never seen him before or to see the work in a way I've never seen it before. Um, or to see my own work, to see my own challenges, to see my own shortcomings in ways that I've never seen them before. Mm. And so I think once again, it's just that idea of when the rich and poor come together, the Lord gives them both sight. Um, or when people from different contexts come together, yeah. the Lord gives them both sight. And so I think, yeah, the broader church can learn a ton from that context. Um, and there's a ton that the urban community can learn from the other context too, or rural, suburban whatever. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, can can you just give, I know you already gave a few shout outs. Um, just thinking about social media, um, Instagram or whoever else, are there any urban youth workers, um, who you would really recommend for our listeners to go follow, um, to, to really kind of set that pace for us to learn from one another in different ministry contexts? Um, so who should, who should we be following, um, on social media? And how can people connect with you and learn more about Reframe? Yeah, for sure. So I would say definitely go follow UIWI, Urban Youth Workers Institute. Um, I would say go follow Streets, my boy Patrick. Go follow my boy Jesse. I think it's All City Youth is his. Uh, I got a friend out here. His name's Juan Chavez. He runs a ministry called AZ Reach. Um, they're doing incredible work at Cesar Chavez High School, um, doing... Um, life skills they take like the school gives them kids that are having real challenges and they they walk through life skills with them and different mm-hmm. things of that nature for like just improving character building relationships with with them outside of school and obviously there's opportunity for gospel conversation so he's doing great yeah. work in the urban context too um and then in terms of reframe um reframe youth is where you'll find us reframe youth.com or look up reframe youth on instagram facebook uh, I think we're on TikTok and we're on YouTube as well. Like, cause we've got a podcast, yeah. which you've been on. Um, and yeah, we're all about like at the end of the day, like the way that we're doing youth 
ministry right now is not working. It's just not right. And I think it's evidenced by the 1.2 million kids that we're seeing leave church. Like we know yeah. there's an issue we need, we need to address it. And so we are, we believe that if we can help youth leaders have better conversations with their youth, better God conversations, some really cool stuff's going to happen. So we're committed to creating content and resources that are culturally relevant, biblically faithful and meaningful uh, so that youth, youth leaders can have those conversations with their youth. And so the hope would be that we'll see uh, youth be a part of a church where they can embrace and embody the gospel and take it out into the world. And yeah. so that that's why we're here. That's why we exist. If that's what you want, if that's what you're into, reframeyouth.com, we create content and resources to that end. We're very like raw, edgy, urban in how we create that stuff. We're unap- unapologetic about that. That's what we want to lean into. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd love to serve you in that way. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, I think, uh, regardless of your ministry context, I think the stuff that you're putting out with reframe is really good, solid, biblical, faithful, helpful, um, content that I, I really highly recommend. Uh, so go, Appreciate that. Thank so you. go check out, go check out reframe. Um, and I'll, I'll try to find links to, uh, to those guys who you, you shouted out to. So uh, links to all those resources and uh, people should be in the show notes here too. Um, cool. So Jordan, thanks for your friendship. I uh, really appreciate yeah, you personally. And um, in, in terms of ministry, um, uh, really, really grateful for, for what you're doing and for what the Lord is doing um, in and through your ministry. And uh, really excited about um, some initiatives initiatives that you've shared about that are that are coming down the pipeline so for sure uh, to everyone else you're really going to want to follow reframe youth and uh keep informed so Thank hey you. thanks for thanks for joining this conversation um thanks for listening in to our listeners so uh this is the beginning of our, our new season on the ypt podcast and so thanks for listening in more episodes coming up so we'll talk to you next week Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. YPT's mission is to empower youth workers to pursue theological depth because we're committed to inviting students into a faith that's big enough to grow into. You can learn more about the ministry and other resources we offer at youthpastortheologian.com, and you can find us on most social media at Youth Theologian.